We justify all kinds of sins to ourselves. We mm. know that. Let's be honest with ourselves. If we don't justify it, we wouldn't do it. Mm. Okay. Understand the gravity of the situation. Allah is going to cut you off from Him. We need Allah for every moment of our lives. Mm. Then on top of that, Allah will cut you off from your loved ones, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, if you do something without justification. So just cover your back. Yawm Al-Qiyamah, you don't want to come Yawm Al-Qiyamah with all these good deeds and everything else. And then all of it's wiped out and obliterated mm -hmm. because you committed this one thing. So Allah doesn't want anything to do with you. Yeah. And it, I can't think of a more terrifying thing, Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So what we want is people not to fall into this. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to this special In Their Shoes campaign related podcast uh, at Islam 21 Seeb. You may have noticed this week we've been uh, running a nationwide campaign with many organizations on board, alhamdulillah. And it's about uh, children being put front, front and center in the discourse regarding uh, marital disputes. It's called In Their Shoes. And uh, with us today we have one of our uh, esteemed guests and beloved sheikhs. Uh, who is you know, part of an organization that is joining in this campaign uh, alongside many other uh, organizations. Uh, we had a very nice uh, launch uh, a few days ago, alhamdulillah. And uh, on the weekend, actually, we had a uh, Zoom call with uh, over, I think, 120 uh, khatibs and imams had signed up for that uh, across the country, alhamdulillah. And uh, it was just uh, really... Um, uh, inspiring how many imams from how many and scholars from different schools of thought and so and different parts of the country were coming together to really um, shed light on this very important and very dangerous social ill that is um, unfortunately on the rise in our community one of the organizations there was the Islamic Council of Europe and uh, our guest today alhamdulillah is uh, Sheikh Shakur Rahman Assalamu alaikum Sheikh so Sheikh Shakur Rahman is a senior advisor in the Islamic Council of Europe um, Sheikh Shakur was, you know, you were part of uh, our discussions for from the last few months, you know, on and off about the um, this this rising, you're saying, uh, social ill. Is it on the rise? And this is something that you alerted us to back when the lockdown first uh, started. Um, you know, disputes are problematic anyway, and. Mm -hmm. When divorce occurs, uh, the nafs has so much invested in getting whatever they can. So it's no surprise that when you look at Surah At-Talaq, um, you find on the first page five mm -hmm. ayat and four times Allah mentions have taqwa of him. Mm -hmm. You don't find it like that yani, in other surah so consistently um, as if it's really, really drummed into you right from the beginning. Because the nufus, when it comes to talaq, they can easily go wild. Mm. And because of the, the nature of man and Allah creating man and understanding how man works, the only thing that is going to control this nafs is to know that Allah is above you, watching you, every move that you make, everything is recorded. And if you don't stick to the boundaries that Allah has set, then Allah is going to take you to account. 
It's not only the fear of Allah and the fear of his punishment and the hope in his reward. No matter what happens to us in this dunya, whether we get what we want or, or we don't get what we want, that is the only thing that will keep us in check. Now, mm. unfortunately, the cases that we see, um, none of it's pleasant. Yeah, They don't come to us when they're happy. They come to us when yeah. um, there's problems. And lately, um, you know, you see every week, nearly every day, you see a case where children are being used against the other spouse. Mm -hmm. um, and preventing the other spouse from seeing them, um, preventing the other spouse's family from seeing them, having issues with you know, my child being alone with the other spouse, with his family. Yeah. Um, and all of this, okay, all of these issues come up over and over again. And right now, um, you have children being used as tools and weapons against the other party. This is not what parenting is about. This is not what Allah has allowed for us. Rather, as parents, we are responsible for our children. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Every one of you is mas'ul, and you're responsible. Now, this is not the behavior of someone who's thinking about their responsibility. Yeah. Yani the child the child is innocent in all of this. The child's got nothing to do with your disputes, nothing to do with your marriage breakdowns, nothing to do with the behavior of either of you. So how dare we use children in this unlawful way? Yeah. But the problem is, you know, people as soon as they think of Sharia councils, they think we're against women. Yeah. Let's make it very clear, we're against women. But actually, there's no day that I do not help more women than men. It's mm. actually, when I think about it, it's I just hardly one of those ever. stereotypes, you know, that often is yeah. um, based on a myth or a. Yeah, um, we hardly like, ever help men. Hardly <laughs> ever. <laughs> we hardly ever help men. Yeah. We help women get out of problematic uh, marriages, uh, abusive marriages, <clears throat> uh, where husbands have run off and left them in the nikah. Mm. We actually help women. We've got nothing yeah. against women. Yeah. And. Let us remember the fact that <clears throat> Allah is the best of judges. Allah says, yani, do you want an, a different law to guide you and to govern you? Yani, you want a yani, pre-Islamic or ignorant law that goes against the shara of Allah? When Allah is the best of judges in all affairs. Yani, being the, the best of judges doesn't mean that Allah is going to give you what you want. Mm. But Allah is going to give every single creature that which is best for it. And unfortunately, whenever we're in a problem, a dispute, uh, a conflict, which all of these issues become, we can never be objective and we can never see yeah. the good <coughs> that lies within whatever hukum that is given. All we see is, this is what I want. If I don't get it, I'm going to be upset. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to explore some of those themes uh, in a bit more detail. But um, speaking of sisters, we have uh, uh, our uh, sister, uh, Dr. Mahira Ruby, uh, that we're going to be uh, calling in. She's a uh, researcher and lecturer at Goldsmith University in London, and she specializes in parenting and uh, you know intergenerational kind of uh, uh, linguistics uh, in particular. But she does lots of parenting seminars and has some. Um, 
uh, good experience in this field. So just call up now. Wa alaikum salam to Allah, sister Dr. Mahira Ruby. This is Salman Bhatt. I spoke to you earlier. Uh, you're yeah. on the Islam 21C Unscripted podcast. I hope you are well. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So uh, um, I'm sure you've been uh, keeping up to date with uh, what's been happening this campaign. I mean, in a nutshell, uh, it's about ensuring children have meaningful access uh, to both parents and both sides of the family, where, of course, it is uh, applicable. Um, what's your experience in the community of this right of children being overlooked? Um, so, uh, I mean, I, I'm a family and uh, parenting coach, and I've been working in the community for a long time. My experience has been there's a real struggle mm. in families uh, when it comes to this, and children are overlooked. Um, and often I find that parents don't realize the impact, mm. and they don't realize that they are their behavior is uh, having an impact on the children. Their version of it is that they're trying to keep the children safe. Yeah. And away from toxicity, so mm. uh, that's the sort of where they where where their chances are, uh, and it takes a long time for them to realise that actually what they're doing and their behaviour is having a uh, negative impact on the child. Um, in your experience, um, do you find that some uh, parents who do deny meaningful access to their children? Uh, between the children and their ex-spouse, that they do eventually come to a conclusion where um, they try to make amends and try to give the child uh, that, that access again? Yes, yeah, so when I'm, when I'm working, uh, normally tends to be the mother, when I'm working with the uh, mother, they, they do come to the realisation mm. that uh, it's having a negative impact and they really try uh, to model that behavior which is you know hoping that the, the other party will uh also realize but mm. often it is it is a really big struggle because it happens it ends up being one-sided so the the sense from this is that when you work with both parents even if it's separate separately there's there's uh, a greater impact on the shift from the toxicity to uh, really doing what's in the best interest of the child. Um, and that shift does take place even though, it, it, even though often it might take a long time um, because the parents really need a lot of support trying to work through what their issues are mm. uh, and uh, and come to the realisation that they they can make a lot of amends if they keep the child at the centre of it. Uh, but once it goes to family court and, and it escalates, it becomes really, really difficult. Yeah. So, Sheikh Shukur, um, what kind of advice and messaging do you normally give to uh, brothers or sisters? Because, you know, we, we've heard that it happens to both you know, fathers and mothers. Uh, what kind of advice do you give to those who have been denied access to their children, meaningful access to their children, who I think some, some people, they call it um, parental alienation and there's different kind of um, phrases used for it. What, what, I mean, if somebody comes to you, a mother or a father, uh, as Islamic Council of Europe, what's your first point of call? How do you deal with the, um, the issue? Okay, so there's different um, beginnings to this whole thing. Mm. So sometimes they come to us early and they will come to us when um, the marriage is 
really on the rocks and they're about to divorce. Mm. Okay, there at least we can uh, give them that advice to keep things amicable. They need to be good to one another. The children have nothing to do with their problems. Mm -hmm. They are the innocent party. Um, they have the rights that Allah has given them uh, to love from both sides. They require both sides. So this is at least uh, the best point for us Mm. Uh, to actually give that advice so they they understand that you know what um, our problems are our problems and we need to keep them between ourselves and the children mm -hmm. need to be kept out of it and we need to shield the children from uh, the nastiness that we feel yeah. and perhaps we are going through and yani giving to each other right now and that way at least when they move forward and if they do divorce uh, they can take that into account and many times, alhamdulillah, uh, such couples, because they've come to us when things are, are problematic and we've helped them uh, settle the disputes and finalize the issues, whether it's um, yani finishing the marriage mm -hmm. amicably or whether it's uh, giving them other steps to take, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes, um, and this is unfortunately more of the case, you have a parent that comes to us and the normal case is um, it is uh, the father that comes to us uh, because his wife or ex-wife rather um, or she, they could still be married has taken the children gone off uh, put an injunction against him or has an order in place against him mm -hmm. uh, and he hasn't seen the children for six months one year two years three it's years fun. even um, and it's really really horrible especially because at that point, there's hardly anything we can do for him. Mm -hmm. The only thing we can do for him is to remind him that, okay, whatever happens in this world for you is a challenge that Allah wants you to face. Yeah, we're going to test you, Allah says. So it's another test uh, and we remind such fathers to keep their emotions in check, mm -hmm. uh, follow the commandments of Allah, being good. But at the end of the day, the only way they're going to get access to their children is going to be the courts because unfortunately the other party doesn't want to engage. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Out of all the cases I can remember, I can remember two cases where uh, the father, uh, in one case the father was the one who had uh, kept the children and he actually got an order against his wife. Uh, so she was prevented from seeing the children mm -hmm. for between six months and uh, nine months. I can't remember exactly. And in one other case, the sister, and this was uh, yani very, very surprising uh, to myself and the other mashaykh. This sister, um, she had custody of the children from the courts. Um, but she had said to the husband, uh, and she had some girls, that when the girls get to age, um, I will send them to live with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she understood that to be the Shari ruling. <clears throat> so this this was yani, very different. The norm is that the father comes in, uh, lost in his path of what to do, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. tried avenues, doesn't have the money to go to court so often and uh, do everything mm -hmm. that needs to be done. Then he comes to us for advice. And because yani, Sharia councils are... Uh, yani arbitration, places of arbitration and mediation. If the other party doesn't want to engage, there's nothing you there's can nothing do. Yeah. You can do. 
both, both parties have to be willing to come to the table and discuss an amicable, amicable exactly. solution, basically. But we need to have mm. everyone reminded of the fact that no matter what the law says, mm-hmm. we are not going to be judged in the hereafter in terms of what the law gave us and the, what, what the law didn't give us. We are going to be judged according to Allah's law. So that needs to be very clear in our minds. Uh, we may get away with things here. Like a father could be abusive to uh, the, the wife or the children even, etc. Mm-hmm. He's not going to get away with it. He may get away with some things in this world. Mm-hmm. But there's trials that can come his way in this world because of that kind of trauma and those, that oppression that he has committed. Likewise, the mother. She may get away with some things. But there will be trials and tribulations for her in this world because of oppression if she commits it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Yom Al-Qiyamah, justice will be done. And the problem is, people don't understand, our positioning is we want what the Prophet ﷺ wanted. His example is, he didn't want anyone to taste any part of the hellfire. That's what we want. We don't want any of our brothers and sisters nor any of mankind to go through this problem yeah. and cause detriment and harm to innocent children. And that's what they are, innocent. Sorry to interrupt guys, but this is a very important message. We were extremely heartened to see so many mainstream Muslim organizations and leaders come together for this important campaign. Alhamdulillah, it's causing huge ripples. But we're just getting started. With Allah's help first and then your kind donations, we want to do more and more campaigns and have a greater and greater impact on our world and our hereafter. Check out the link in the description for more information. Mm. I, mean, I, I, want, I want us to talk about the oppressor as well in a minute, uh, in, in a minute, in the kind of quote-unquote perpetrator of, uh, of, of the, the oppression. But I want to bring Dr. Ruby in, in regards to, you know, how you deal with uh, the sister or the brother who is who has actually been oppressed, who has been denied access to his or her children. Yeah, so I mean, from my experience, what I say, I mean, what what Chef has mentioned is is definitely the case where you know you have one extreme or the other where there's total uh, contact broken between parents, but also you have a, a free space. So what the chef was saying is it depends on when they when they uh, reach out for support. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, within the community, I think, you know, we all have access to families where uh, we see conflicts happening. And often we, we may see that being exacerbated by uh, our behaviors, even as I said, I know we're going to come to that later. Yeah. But actually, when you, when you focus on the couple, uh, the, the parents, what happens is that both parents are going through trauma when they're going through this conflict. Yeah. And depending on... Uh, the the trauma being experienced by each of the mother or the father, they will then project that onto the child as if they are safeguarding that child from the uh, from the you know the harm of the other parent, mm. and they really do believe uh, that that's what they're doing. So when even when I observe parents at contact centre, uh, what I tend to see is that the parents using that opportunity. To um, you know, sort of uh, speak about the other parent in such a way to form an opinion within the child yeah. uh, of this other parent, where, whether it's the pre 
space before taking them to the contact with the father or the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so how they speak about them after they come back, how they ask the child, how did it go, what happened, and all. I mean, there's a there's a there's a, an environment where that child uh, often stops speaking. Yeah. Or they will they will um, say things to please the parents. So they will, mm. if they think that it will please mom to say, oh, dad was being horrible. And that's yeah. what they will say to the mom. And then they will say, so they become the messenger between the two parents um, in a way that they want to have this love from mm-hmm. each parent. And, and, and then they end up being really, really confused. But with the parents, what I wanted to say was that when they're in that space, in their head, in their heart, in their mind, they actually feel that the trauma that they're feeling themselves as adults they need to protect the child from that and that might not be the experience of the child from their parents because they feel the love they feel the connection they feel the need for connection with the with the parent with both parents so what what i might feel as a mum uh going through my situation uh with the with the father of the child is not what the child is feeling if that makes sense the conflict yeah. is between the adults mm. so really it takes a third party, neutral, objective party to be able to help them work through that uh, trauma and be able to say that actually the child may end up resenting both parents mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. It, that, you know, they, they, they see you at each other's throats and the child is being neglect, neglected in the middle. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, ever since we launched this campaign, we've been getting a lot of... Um messages from uh, people online saying look I'm going through this issue as well um, I haven't seen my kids for X number of months or uh, you know I'm trying to um, keep things together myself what advice do you give to people when they come to you, um, uh, brother or sister says look I, have, I don't have access to my kids I don't know what to do um, I, I mean what I tend to say to them is that how is there anything you can do in terms of your behavior mm. in your approach? Uh, and Chef mentioned something that we will be accountable on the day of judgment for whatever we hide or however we behave. Uh, and really to really think through their behavior. Is there a way that they can start communicating with maybe not even the parent or the child, but maybe a family member to uh, show that they are, um, they are willing to reform if that makes sense mm-hmm. uh to to have a different approach of uh focusing on the child that relationship um how they can speak to the child how they behave with the child how, mm-hmm. how they talk about the mother or the father in the conversations that they have uh, how do they rebuild that uh trust and confidence um in in saying to the other party that i'm not a threat yeah. Uh, and I, I don't want to continue to be the threat. I, I just want a relationship with my child. And often I don't find that happens unless that person has had support. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the behavior change doesn't often happen because they're fixed in their idea of what they think. Uh, well, it, bec- it becomes polarized. You know, everyone. It becomes polarized. Yeah. Yeah. So this and is it becomes excellent a blame point. Game. Uh, excellent points from uh, Dr. Maher. So. This issue, we see it a lot. Now, in the beginning, if they haven't cut off and it hasn't escalated to the point of, uh, you know, there's such enmity between the couple, etc. Mm. 
And we always advise um, fathers when they come in because it's predominantly the father who doesn't have access. We always say, you know, you have to control and manage your own emotions and anger and keep some kind of uh, lines of communication open. So we mm. always say utilize uh, whoever of the family uh, is objective. But here's where the problem lies. And uh, Dr. Mahler, she touched on it uh, yeah. a while ago. The, the role or perhaps... It was better uh, in the past, in, in our history, of the role of the extended family. And I know Dr. Mahir has uh, research on these types of issues, and she talks about them a lot, and the importance of the extended family and how that works, mm. and the dynamic for the children. Now, when you look at the extended families in the past, you know the parents of the children were not the sole uh, caregivers of mm. that child. Rather, the parents were still in a hierarchical structure of the family, the extended family. So it takes if, a village to raise a child. Yeah, it takes a village. Easy. We all know that. We all yeah. understand that. Yet now, it's not the case. You have your nuclear mm. family who's cut off from everyone else. And this is the way everyone wants to live. You know, which sister wants to live with their in-laws? <laughs> it doesn't happen. And now the expectation is when you get married, you're going to live alone. You're going to be separate. You don't want yeah. anyone involved. Now that, the consequence is that you are not accountable in the dunya to anyone. And this is destructive for the nafs. Exactly, mashallah, Dr. Sulmani, take the words out of my mouth. Yeah? These are the verses, when, whenever you feel that you have the authority, you're going to transgress. This is normal human behavior that Allah has told us about. In uh, Surah Al-Alaq, in all the places in the Quran, whenever mm. man sees that he doesn't have an authority over him in this world, he's going to transgress. And then, clearly you're going to forget about the authority over you at all levels, which is Allah. So now, the nuclear family is cut off from everyone else. You're not accountable to anyone. You behave how you please. You hurt whoever you want because it's all about what you think. And you can't, no matter how much you try... You can't get yourself out of that mode because you can't be objective. Whenever mm. you're in these types of situations, you can never be objective. That's why a person in a conflict cannot be the judge, the mufti, or the judge in his own mas'ala where he has conflict with someone else. It's not possible because you can't be objective. Who is 100% objective and wants the good for everyone? It's Allah. Mm. That's what Allah wants. That's Allah's law. But then we, the problem is that this person has come, they've put themselves in this situation, they cut off from the extended family, um, they didn't establish that authority of the extended family over them, mm. because your parents are always the authority over you, no matter how old you become, yeah, even when you have grey yeah. hair like me, etc., <laughs> your parents are your authority. Mm. You have to answer to them in this world. Okay, you have to answer to Allah in the next. Mm. Whenever you feel this, you behave much better. Yeah. Okay, so so now the person comes, they don't have all these uh, this infrastructure in place within their family. They cut off. Yeah, atomized. Yeah. No. Doctor Ruby. Yeah. So I, I mean, that's absolutely true, and I think what 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 then happens is that you know that they left in isolation and they are alienated from the community mm. where there could be support but at the same time i mean uh, you know that the, i just give an anecdote uh, of a of a case where 
is that the parents are divorced and, and the child uh, has some contact with with dad, and and the mother's very very giving in that in that mm-hmm. um, you know relationship. But you know, whenever the child goes to stay with the extended family, so the father and the grandparents, there's a um, you know we call it stonewalling. So there's this silence mm. uh, when it comes to the mum. So if, if the child has gone for the weekend, the mum understands, or, uh, you know, that it's gone for the week. If the child's gone for the weekend, I won't have, I won't interfere in that relationship. When it becomes longer than that, say a holiday period. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mother just wants to check in, just see if, if the child is okay, if, if her son or daughter is okay. They may call once, once in a while, uh, but the the family may uh, not give that access, so they don't. They, they say oh, the child is busy, why are you calling so much? Mm-hmm. And the anxiety builds in this parent that because the trigger is that they lived in that environment, and so the memories of what it was like to live in that environment uh, hits them. Each time something like that happens. So they go into panic mode and then they try to see if they can control that situation and believe that the child is going through similar uh, trauma. And so, you know, they they end up being in a panic and and then that is used by the family in a way, uh, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, to cause fear in the parent. Mm. So when you have fear, you, you act irrationally. Um, and when you act irrationally, then that is used against you. So it's just this vicious cycle of uh, um, conflict and trauma. And the child has to navigate through that. It's, it's a minefield for that child, regardless of the age, whether they're little children or teenagers or young adults in the in the home. It, it's actually trauma for all of them, uh, regardless of age and gender. And so, you know, while while the parents are dealing with all of this going on, uh, this child is having to navigate and regulate all those emotions going on in between. So with this anecdote that I was sharing, the, the case that I was sharing, when the mother did phone and had eventually had access to the daughter, mm. she was she was just looking out for signs of um, uh, you know, sort of distress. And uh, when she normally would have had a conversation, because she was looking for signs of distress, the child could read it. Yeah. And so she just went silent. So that, you know, because she didn't know what to say. That's so funny. we unintentionally, we put children in positions of um, confusion and, uh, yeah, real confusion and, mm. and not knowing how to respond. So we, you know, they go into mute, selective mutism in a way, where they don't, share anything, they just suppress all their feelings, which has impact, not just in their young adult life, but later on when they go into their own marriages and families. Um, and it's, it's really distressing. I mean, it's, mm. it's and shaitan is there too. Yeah, um, shaitan is there causing all of this and uh, yani kindling the fire yes. of all of these problems. And the thing is, you could solve all of these things if people maintain good akhlaq. Really, it just yes. comes down mm. to this. Now, if you think about the extended family, um, the parents, right, why they couldn't get on is because they couldn't maintain good akhlaq. Um, why the, chil- the children are put in these circumstances um, and you know, the silence when the other party is mentioned, the other parent mm. is mentioned, this is not part of good akhlaq. Thinking about the child, okay, this is their parent. Mm. Regardless of what I've been through with that person, whether it's the extended family or the spouse or whoever, now this is the the child's parent. 
The worst thing in the world for a child is that they hear something negative about their parent. Known, given, fitri. Okay, so what does it mean to have good akhlaq with that child? It is when their parent is mentioned, you only mention them with khayr. And this is the, the stand, standard. Yani it is not exceptional. This yeah. is the bare minimum that Allah expects from you. If you talk about somebody, you only talk about them with good. Yeah? The believer, man kana yu'minu billahi wal yawmil akhir fal yaqul khayran aw liyasmut. Every one of us knows this hadith. The one who believes in Allah in the last day, let him say something good or remain silent. Right. But then, when remaining silent means that whenever that other person is mentioned, <laughs> you're going to remain silent. Literally silent, yeah. Yeah, literally silent. <laughs> What's that going to do to the child? That's mm. not being good to the child. And you have been ordered to be good to the child. Mm. And as a grandparent, you should be even more good because you don't have to take the responsibility of taking care of them. Yeah. You just get to spoil them and enjoy mm. them. So then... You have to be good to them. Now, if it, if we maintain good akhlaq, then we wouldn't have these issues. Mm. But the problem is the nafs, the ego, when yeah. you have power and authority, and in the current system, unfortunately, that authority has been given yeah. to the women, whereas in the Prophet's time, the authority was with men. Well, we, we were looking into this. I mean, we spoke to some um, uh, charities that deal with this. And... Um, there is that kind of stereotype that mostly it's uh, the fathers are victims, and you have organisations like Fathers for Justice and stuff. But one of the organisations they uh, they did a, they said in the largest survey of this type, they said the although um, fathers are disproportionately affected, it's more like just a ten percent difference uh, or so between them. So that was quite surprising. It may be that within the Muslim community, the the, the stats are a bit more skewed in a different direction, but. Um, yeah, from our yeah. data and the cases that we see on a day-to-day yeah. basis is completely, completely yeah. different. You have f- yani far more cases where yeah. the men are the ones who are uh, being deprived of access, and mm-hmm. yani this is not access for yani a week or two. Meaningful access—that's yeah. the phrase we like to use. Yeah. yeah, even contact, even the basics of contact. Yeah. Fathers, uh, so many cases mm. in my mind. There's so many cases running through. And sisters in the same predicament, very, very few. I could count them on my hand. Could it be, let me put this to you though, Sheikh, that could it be that the reason why you get fewer sisters coming and complaining about this is because maybe sisters feel, perhaps from the stereotypes in the media and that kind of stuff, that, you know, Islam or Islamic scholars or Sharia and so forth, that it's anti-women, that they, you know, um, discriminate against women. So they, they just don't come to you in the first place. Could it be that? That bias there? Um, on a theoretical level, yes. But sisters are the uh, majority users of our services. Mm-hmm. We help sisters more than anyone else. And you're looking at 90 plus mm. percent of our cases are where we are helping sisters. So they know the Sharia is going to help them. Mm. And any God fearing sister, and there are so many of them out there. Alhamdulillah. They come and they seek advice on every other issue. Mm. And we help them get through it. And we come to amicable solutions for families and all kinds of disputes Mm. and everything else. When it comes to uh, bereavement, inheritance, 
uh, business contracts, everything. Yeah. Marriage, uh, husband's uh, disappeared, gone AWOL, uh, no one knows where he is. The um, khul'a, abusive marriage, everything. We deal with everything and they come because mm. they know this, the sharia is the solution to every problem in the best manner. Now, sisters are not facing that problem from what we can see in our communities and the people that we deal with as much as the brothers. Mm. And it's something <coughs> that uh, the legal system has recognized. You have judges recognizing yeah. the system is broken. You have uh, solicitors understanding and knowing, but that's the system. Sorry to interrupt guys, but this is a very important message. We were extremely heartened to see so many mainstream Muslim organizations and leaders come together for this important campaign. Alhamdulillah, it's causing huge ripples, but we're just getting started. With Allah's help first and then your kind donations, we want to do more and more campaigns and have a greater and greater impact on our world and our hereafter. Check out the link in the description for more information. It's important to note as well that, um, I mean, the, the, the legal kind of uh, uh, experts that we've spoken to, they've noticed that um, it's not an issue of Muslims versus kind of English law necessarily, because those who are actually denying meaningful access to an otherwise worthy kind of parent, they're actually themselves breaking the law often and breaking, going against court injunctions themselves because, you know, both parents, if they're, even if they're not technically married legally, if they're both, for example, recognized on the child's birth certificate as uh, the father and the mother, then they both have technically, on a default position, equal access to the children. Now, one of the, um, some of the, the, the legal people we were speaking to is, uh, were saying that the reason why sometimes, for example, um, men can't get access is one of the reasons is um, because the woman actually goes against the law the, 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 the mother actually breaks the law and breaks the court injunction but the court can't enforce that because that would be worse for the child to arrest the mother or something um, so it, it's important to recognize that um, it's not an issue necessarily of you know sharia versus necessarily kind of uh, the, the law sharia courts are operating some kind of parallel you know legal system here because it's the issue because it's not an issue of that the, the or you know following the law of the land in the first place because denying meaningful access to a worthy you know uh you know um, uh, parent is itself even you know uh, against uh, english law as well now the problem and, and it's important for yes yeah, yeah, sister ruby no, so I was just going to say that to to for that to happen, mm -hmm. a parent has to build a case yeah. uh, where total alienation of the other parent is um, sort of in, there's an you know goes to court and and uh, the parent doesn't have access. A case has to be built, so it mm -hmm. takes a lot of energy from a parent to build a case to show that the other parent shouldn't have access to this child. Um, and within that, I think it brings us back to what Sheikh was saying at the beginning is uh, really what is your intention, what is the uh, focus, um, and really to dig deep and find the reasons why we do this. There are definitely cases where there's safeguarding issues, and there's no doubt about it. In those situations, it makes absolute sense whether we're Muslims or whether we go to court uh, that that child shouldn't have access until that parent has reformed or uh, is, is safe again for that child. But yeah. generally when you look at when you look at the majority of the situations it's, it's a case being built by 
the mother or the father, with social workers, with mm. with uh, other parties involved, to to build a scenario, to build a story of that situation, mm. and often the child isn't involved in that process, um, and even if, particularly if they're young, um, and so when when that result comes that they don't have access to the other parent, then what happens? What tends to happen is there's behaviour issues in that child. Mm. Um, and then the parent who has that child who doesn't have contact with the other parent starts to see this behaviour change and then there's a whole situation where they have to live with um, a difficult behaviour, uh, stuff that happened at school and that mm. child going into different sort of um, you know, gang-related issues and other things as they get older. And so it's it, really we need to look at it as a holistic approach of how we can better support parents yeah. in coming to those decisions and really to highlight that uh, the, the long-term impact on that child, I don't think a lot of parents see it. And so one of the questions I tend to ask parents is that, you know, what kind of a role model do you, do you want to be to your child? What, how would you like them to look at you? What kind of a parent do you want them to become? Uh, in the future, inshallah. Mm. So when they think about that, then you know, would you like them to talk about their spouse the way you talk about your spouse? Would you like them to come to you and complain uh, the way you are doing uh, about the other parent? And just as a human being, just the father of your child or the mother of your child, what sort of respect do you need to show the other in order for your child to have respect? For you first, as an individual, even before you can get to your spouse. So really, really thinking about ourselves as individuals and, and, and our akhlaq and other, mm. as, as Chef was saying, is so crucial. And I really feel as a community, there isn't enough uh, being done to do that pre-marriage, you know, uh, after marriage, before we have children, after we have children, that consistent support being given to families. And so when they hit uh, conflict, they, they just don't know. So they go to the first... Uh, and before you know it, social workers are involved. Yeah. Before you know it, a service is involved and it polarizes the whole uh, conflict. If I can just come in on that as well now. Um, one of the points that Sister Maher was making uh, about uh, one of the parents building a case against the other. Mm. Okay, now it's much easier in the current system. It's, it's not against yani Sharia, against common law. Mm. Uh, there are um, loopholes in the system the way it works mm. that can be manipulated and that is not breaking the law okay uh, so this we see unfortunately often I and mean, i can think of two cases right now mm. um, that i've just dealt with in the last few days okay mm. where uh, the husband was accused of rape okay the husband mm. was accused of raping his wife and because of that she had uh, an injunction placed against him so he hadn't seen the children for several months, okay, because of that injunction. There was no proof of, proof of the rape. In one case, um, after the, the trauma of the husband going through and having to prove his innocence, because mm. there was no such thing, and um, in the end, uh, the wife, because there was no evidence, dropped the case, but that's six months yeah. He spent going through all of that stress and anxiety and pressure and everything else, not to mention money, mm. to clear his name. For what? 
he had committed no crime. Okay, so and it takes a huge a, uh, toll on someone's mental health as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. I so mean, some people are also driven to unfortunately suicidal behavior when they are accused of uh, something like that. Yeah, and one of the brothers, yeah. unfortunately, he has uh, other disabilities anyway, mm. so it took a really heavy toll so on him. Yeah. And then uh, <coughs> another one of the brothers, uh, he spent uh, two years, and he's still being investigated. It's not finished mm. Um, mm. over claims. And uh, he hasn't seen his child for two years. Yeah. That one only had one child. So, and he, building a case, it, it's currently in the system. It seems very easy for mm. women to make accusations about uh, their spouse, um, and then for the system to kick in, and then prevent that mm -hmm. spouse who has done nothing wrong from uh, seeing the children. Now, what does the Sharia say about this? Yani the Prophet Sallallahu when someone came to him and argued the case very well, he said, you know what, these are fine words. I may give you something mm. in this dunya, but these words, I'm a human being, I'm going to listen to your words and then make judgment upon those words. Mm. But if this is not your haqq and you're establishing falsehood through what seems to apparently be truth, then you're going to taste, you're just taking part of the fire. But and it, it's really that's really why it's not a, it's not a, we, we try a, we're trying to make it clear that it's not like a just a, an issue of pure law. No, it's not but rather law at all. people's ethics. Are they internally? Do it. they have integrity? Yeah, the integrity. Integrity has yeah. been lost. Mm. Uh, I, I'm say this. I say this without with full confidence. The Prophet mm. said in the famous hadith, Hadith of Bukhari. If, yani, if amana, that integrity is lost, then wait, the hour's around the corner. And you yeah. see that <laughs> in everything, unfortunately, mm. in the Muslim community. Are you going to go to a Muslim mm. mechanic to fix your car? <laughs> Are you going? <laughs> I don't know. You think mm. twice. Yeah. Who's going to rip you off? Yani, mm. We're cautious of everyone because we've been ripped off. Mm. People have lost amana. Yani, there was a time when uh, the person's word... It meant, meant the world, yeah. not just something. It meant the world. You know, people mm. stuck to their words. That time's long gone. That's why you need uh, the laws. And Subhanallah, you you look, the Sharia doesn't come down on the husband and the wife with do this specifically this way, like this, and get involved in the nitty gritty. It doesn't. It mm. gives you regulations uh, which are very general and that you can apply in your own different ways. Mm -hmm. Okay. Why does it do this? Because the Sharia is built upon Rahma. Yeah, there's justice and Rahma, both. Mm. Now, what happens now? No, the Rahma is as if it's been taken out of people's hearts. Mercy. Yeah, the mm. mercy is taken out of people's hearts. And then the law has to kick in. So now when the law kicks in like this, then it's very robotic mm. and it's not pleasing. And look at the way Allah describes these relationships. They are relationships of the rahm, mm. of the womb. Okay, which is, as we know from the famous hadith, taken from Allah's name, Ar-Rahman. And then, because of this, yani, what's going on here? Are we a cause for breaking the ties of kinship? Because if we are, then we know the hadith of the Prophet where Allah says, Hadith Qudsi, yani, Man wasalaki wasal. 
whoever ties you, I am close to him. I tie that relationship between me and him. Me and him. And the one who cuts that relationship, I cut him. Just you imagine, my brothers, my sisters, you want to be cut off from Allah? Is this what you want? Your life cut off from Allah? Do you know what that means? You're going to have, might, have a miserable life. Some people might say, but... She is X Y Z, or he is X Y Z. Yeah, this is the other person. point I wanted to touch on. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Mahra mentioned it. You know, all they see is their perspective, mm. and they make judgment, believing that they're doing the the best for that child because they want to protect them. You are not fit, whoever you are, to make that judgment call. Judge you are not you're fit. An executioner. You can't. You're not allowed. Islamically, ethically, legally, in every sense, you are not allowed to make that decision. You are biased in every way, shape and form. It has to be, in Sharia, it has to be a Shari'i judge who makes that call. Mm. It needs to be someone objective and you can't be objective when you're in that situation. It's impossible. Mm. A lot of people, they just look at maybe, or they might call someone up on a fatwa program, you know, What's theoretically the ruling about someone who does X, Y, Z? Or they'll Google it and find it somewhere. And then they'll just um, implement it on their situation. But aren't they following uh, Islam and Sharia then? No, they're not. They're doing haram. Mm. I say it very clearly. Yani, this is what every person in a conflict who mm. wants to inflict pain on the other one does. They phone up and so many times it happens. Brothers and sisters, all alike. We're mm. having problems with someone. We need a stick to beat the other person. Yeah. So we phone up and we ask the question in a way that gives us the stick to beat the other yeah. person. Okay, so many times I've seen it. I've seen it on live QA shows. And yeah. you just think, no, you can't answer that question. <laughs> you need to understand why they're asking the question. Yeah. And unfortunately... So you find imams fall into that. Yeah, inexperienced, young imams especially. Yeah. And even, unfortunately, some older imams who should know better. But sometimes you get caught out. You do mm. get caught out, but... When you ask why you're asking the question, yeah. it reveals so much. Mm. Because no one's asking the questions because they want to understand the theory. Yeah. There's something going on in their lives. If we don't delve into that, we can never answer questions properly. So the, 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 the summary is, look, there, there may be uh, some context where you know, some, a, a parent can legitimately be deprived of meaningful access to their child you know based maybe if they're abusive or etc et yeah definitely but that to to enact that on by yourself without going to an uh, uh, a um uh, a judge a, 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 Shabi a, a impa judge. impartial kind of no, service even um, uh, um, uh, and it, to this point mediation in front of allah mm -hmm. you have no right to bar the other parent from their child even if or they're children, an evil person. Even if you believe they're an evil person. Yeah. Even if you witness the evil. Okay. Mm -hmm. Until you have hukum shara'i. Until you have a hukum uh, from the sharia given by someone authorized to give such rulings. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can't. Or, uh, right, uh, you hukum. can Yeah, take the necessary precautions. You could mm -hmm. protect a child, okay, by having them in a place that's neutral, uh, where yeah. there are other people. You can do that amicably. Why not? Do that if you believe that it harm. Mm -hmm. But you have no right to prevent the parent from the child mm -hmm. unless you have hukum shara'i in front of Allah. Okay, mm -hmm. so any moment you're doing that, 
you are sinful. What kind of sin? Mm. A sin that Allah is going to cut off from you. That's what you're taking I mean, naturally on. we justify our actions, right? We think, yeah, those I'm, we doing can't do it for, I'm doing it for the kid or that person's, you know, um, very evil person or whatever. What's your message to people who for, find themselves justifying that, those actions? We justify all kinds of sins to ourselves. We mm. know that. Let's be honest with ourselves. If we don't justify it, we wouldn't do it. Mm. Okay. Understand the gravity of the situation. Allah is going to cut you off from Him. We need Allah for every moment of our lives. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, Allah will cut you off from your loved ones, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, if you do something without justification. So just cover your back. Yawm Al-Qiyamah, you don't want to come Yawm Al-Qiyamah with all these good deeds and everything else. And then all of it's wiped out and obliterated mm -hmm. because you committed this one thing so Allah doesn't want anything to do with you. Yeah. And he, I can't think of a more terrifying thing, Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So what we want is people not to fall into this. Be aware. Mm. Yeah, so I was going to say, I think uh, many, many parents actually bring back experience that once a parent has had contact with the child, the child comes back uh, very um, unregulated. You know, they, they don't, they're emotionally unsettled. Yeah. Uh, they, it, it causes them a lot of pain. Um, should I allow my, how do I allow my child to repeatedly experience this mm. every time they go to this other parent, whether it's the mom or the dad, uh, they come back and it takes me a long time to undo uh, that one hour contact, that two hour mm. contact or an overnight stay. Um, so is it appropriate for the child to keep going back into this and knowing that I'm putting the child into that situation is really traumatic for that parent. Mm. And really, it, it's not the it's it's not the child that uh, it's the adults that need to sort themselves out. Um, mm. And and it, it's not to say that they shouldn't have contact. It's that these parents need help. They need to know how to behave with that child. They need to know how to be a parent to to that child. Um, so immediately, we shouldn't come to the conclusion that uh, my child doesn't shouldn't have contact with that parent. More so, it should be that actually, as parents, we need help. What are mm. we doing wrong that is causing my child to behave in this mm. way? Um, and so it goes back to you know the narrative that I create. Can I hold myself uh, to account in, in front of Allah Subhanahu Can I hold myself to account in front of my child that might turn 14 in a few years and look at me and, and point at me and say that actually it's your behavior? Or they might not even have the courage to do that, actually, because mm -hmm. it might be too far gone for them. So really, being able to be self-accountable, like Omar said, take account of yourself before you're taken account of. So really being mindful of what is it that I'm doing that is causing this, you know, sadness and trauma and terror and fear mm -hmm. and pain in my child. Uh, and really to take account because it's so easy to blame the other because they're like a ping pong ball. Yeah. You know, you come to one parent, you blame the other. They go to the other parent, they blame this one. So really, they, our children are not ping pong balls. We need to really take responsibility and uh, responsibility of mm -hmm. our own actions and uh, really be the parent who should be in dunya and for the other of this, inshallah.
Sorry to interrupt guys, but this is a very important message. We were extremely heartened to see so many mainstream Muslim organizations and leaders come together for this important campaign. Alhamdulillah, it's causing huge ripples. But we're just getting started. With Allah's help first and then your kind donations, we want to do more and more campaigns and have a greater and greater impact on our world and our hereafter. Check out the link in the description for more information. Yeah, I mean, naturally people will um, justify these things, you know, based on if they if they do see, you know, the, the, some negative kind of consequence and reactions in the child. Um, what do you, what practical advice would you give to parents that are going through that then? Are there kind of services that you recommend that they... Um, you know they 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 uh, go to in order to try and um, uh, resolve the issue. Um, it's really to be able to sit with the child and speak to them mm-hmm. uh, objectively, rather than already going in with an assumption that yeah. this is what I'm trying to get out from this conversation. I want to know what the other parent did, mm. but really to focus on the child and not the dispute, um, and listen to them and understand them and have. Some kind of minimal, if, if it needs to be communicating with the other parent, to treat them as a human being that needs to understand this child, yeah. not that uh, you know the enemy and the uh, perpetrator and everything else that we have when we're in this situation. Mm-hmm. But really, just if I focus on my child and I just text back or message that the child is really upset, is there anything I can do yeah. to? It could be that they just come away from the other parent and they're missing them. Mm. Uh, it's not because they were shouting at them. So the assumption is that something horrible must have happened there. Yeah. But it could be just the, the trauma of separation. Mm. Um, and, and how can I ease that? What was the last thing that was said? So really building a healthy communication around the child. And you can you can deal with whatever your issues are through other services. But when it comes to the child, uh, to have that minimum amount of communication just to look after the welfare of the child mm. um, and I, I'll keep going back to this you know it really is about us as adults not knowing how to parent to be mm. honest and, mm. and, and really uh, to seek support in that there are so many courses you can go on um, you know our uh, 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 so uh, equipped with um, advice so really within the community I really do feel as a community we need to uh build an infrastructure where we feel safe, we feel um, non-judged, yeah. and to be able to go and seek support. Because Jeff was saying something earlier mm. about um, it's so easy for women to create a narrative in this current you know, context that we're in. Uh, but at the same time, women also feel really hard done by often yeah. when they go to Sharia councils, when they go to uh, uh, Muslim, you know, quote-unquote, services. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they then have, they then go in with a thought uh, of how am I going to prove that it is my story they need to hear. Uh, so really, if we can create safe spaces within our community where uh, we don't have a, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a feeling in the community that men have a better deal than women have a, a harder time with it. So we, we need to share more good stories. Um, we, yeah. we only get to hear the stories where things haven't gone according to a particular narrative. Yeah. So really showcase and, and talk about the good uh, um, outcome for a lot of the cases, I guess. Mm. But um, And to really create that space where people feel safe to go to Muslim-led services yeah. um, and, and, and be able to feel that they have trust in that 
systems to be able to help them and support them, uh, regardless of whether they're fathers or mothers yeah. um, and extended family. Well, alhamdulillah, it, it seems like, I mean, just in my anecdotally in my lifetime, that the, the availability and access to Sharia mediation services and, and, and uh, you know, uh, in, uh, institutions and kind of uh, infrastructure and organizations that Muslims are um, kind of building that, you know, there seems to be more and more access and inshallah, uh, it's a positive trajectory in the right direction, I hope. Um, and not to create shame around it, I guess, mm, you know, yeah. taboo and shame that we have. Mm. On the Allah, I see. I see a lot of more people uh, using these services now, and mm. uh, yani that whole stigma around mm. using mediation and coming to um, yani a Sharia council because you're having problems in the early mm. stages of problems is much more frequent now uh, amongst our community. So that kind that's of that's what stigma, we want, right? Yeah, when that's people exactly too early on. Because mm. people have understood, you know, they go through these trials and problems and sometimes, unfortunately, um, family get involved and mm. they've seen that families don't make things better because they just take a side now instead of yeah. looking at the bigger picture. You know, when you had that mentality of we're part of a clan and everything mm. is about keeping the clan together and keeping things working and happy amongst the clan, mm. there was um, a greater sense of uh, making sure harmony is created whereas now unfortunately the nufus get involved the the, um, the nature ego yeah the egos mm. get involved and uh, this is my daughter this is my son i'm going to be on their side it's as if mm. by being on their side you're actually doing good for them no sometimes it's the opposite now in these types of issues as well uh, there's a lot of people who think that you know there's always an abuser and this is why children need to be kept away from yeah. uh, the other party. Uh, and this whole you know, idea and concept is not the case. Mm -hmm. Very few cases um, involve actual ab abuse and the child is in danger. Out of the, all of the cases that we see, mm -hmm. very few are where there is actually abuse happening. Of course, no one wants any harm to come to a child. It's not allowed yeah. in any sense or form. How would it be allowed in the Sharia? Never. Mm -hmm. Right, so the minority of cases are where there's actual abuse and the child needs to be protected. Mm -hmm. Those are such a minority, you can count them on your hands uh, in yani, a year's cases. Yeah? Yeah. There's very few in our communities. Normally, yeah, um, there are claims and then claims are exaggerated. And this is what the ego does because yeah. it has a particular view and pushes a particular agenda because mm. of that. And the, people can't see it in of themselves. But when they come in to um, see a judge, for instance, and then they have to prove their case, whether it's a legal judge or a shari judge, whatever, they have to prove it, then the case completely changes. Unfortunately, um, the legal process is a long lengthy process and a very expensive process the sharia system um, f because it's a much smaller system for going going to a sharia council uh, etc and to have an appointment etc is much easier for a person to do much quicker mm -hmm. right so why do people not want to come and engage if they're so certain that the child will be abused and i'm protecting the child why is it they don't want to engage? Now, as a person, 
if you are asked by your spouse or ex-spouse, you know what? Mm. I want to solve this and I want the best for the child. And then you say, no, I know what's best for the child. So therefore, thank you, but no thank you. Understand that you have a problem. You do not want the best for the child because you do not want to submit to what Allah requires from you and mandates upon you. Mm. And that's an even bigger thing. Right, your child was for your dunya first and foremost and you're looking for their dunya. But Allah wants something greater for you, your akhirah. And the child's akhirah. And everyone's akhirah. And you're saying, I don't want to submit to the majesty of all majesty, Allah. Your iman is in doubt. Mm-hmm. That's the reality of it. And we don't want any of our brothers and sisters to be in that situation. If you are called, Yani, what did Allah say? If the believers are called to Allah and His Messenger, their only statement mm. is we hear and we obey. I'm not saying go to any old Sharia council. I'm, going, I'm saying go to any reputable Sharia mm. council that has all the processes and the checks and balances in place and they do things by the book, the mm. book of Allah. Yeah, well, on every, well, on every um, kind of let's say cowboy Sharia council, if you want to call it that, when every one of those also um, claim to be following the Quran. Yeah, I'm not saying that uh, this Sharia council is reputable yeah. or not, but the community knows who's reputable or not. Because yeah. what some people, I mean, we've heard some people complain about is, you know, some people just go from one council, one imam one kind of mosque to another until they get the answer that they want. Yeah, and they know what they're taking is a piece mm. of the hellfire. <laughs> it's quite clear, isn't it? I can get anyone or I can get someone to say what I want them to say. Mm. That's not submitting to Allah. That's submitting to your whims and desires. Okay, this is the one who's following his desires. When mm. he gets what he wants, then he submits or she submits. That is taking a piece of the hellfire. You know it. Allah knows it, mm. and the angels have recorded it. Is that what you want to meet, Yawm Al-Qiyamah? I always think, uh, when I hear these kinds of stories, that the, it seems that these, and correct me if I'm wrong, these were the types of scenarios where those ayat about tahakum bighayri ma'anzal Allah, about man-made law and this type of you know um, judging and uh, living and ruling by what Allah has revealed, it seems that these were the proper scenarios of that, whereas we, we've kind of just heard these ayat being used around election time and voting for someone in parliament and stuff. Mm. You know, is it the case that this is this is true, kind of, um, uh, the, 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 or one of the true contexts where your salt is proven? Are you actually, um, you know, wanting to live according to Allah's guidance and instructions? Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the ayah I quoted earlier mm-hmm. today, yeah? Yeah. Uh, this ayah mm. is on the the second page where these ayat are all just mentioned here. Uh, yani those who don't judge by the laws of Allah, they are fasiqun, kafirun, zalimun. Yeah. All of these ayat are all on the same page. And we mentioned mm. that earlier in the podcast. Yeah, if we can't judge by Allah's law in our own selves, govern our own ethics, our morals, our behavior, our akhlaq, mm. 
with others, then why mm. do we expect that Allah's Sharia is going to be implemented for our betterment in this dunya and the mm. akhirah? Why? We can't even do it upon ourselves that we have full authority over ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm conscious of time. I have one more question um, to ask both of you, if you, if you, if you would uh, um, honor us with that. And that is, we want to give some messaging to the actual children. Um, some of them, obviously, you know, if they're old enough to um, watch the podcast and looking at the getting involved in the campaign, um, we've been um, contacted by youth, kind of Islamic youth uh, organizations, saying, "Look, we go, we go through, we get a lot of young brothers and sisters in our programs that are caught between, you know, these uh, warring spouses or ex-spouses and." Uh, coming from these backgrounds, what's your, uh, Doctor uh, Mahira first? What's your message to these young people, and what what kind of um, uh, uh, what kind of uh, tarbiyah do you, would you like to see them uh, receive? Um, so, I mean, this is a really difficult one mm. in in terms of addressing the children, but I think for them to know that these are issues that the adults are trying to deal with and often it is not the child's fault uh, mm-hmm. because a lot of children go away feeling that they are causing the conflict. They blame uh, themselves. They blame themselves. Mm. Uh, and the other is that, you know, they shouldn't ever feel, children should never feel that they have to take sides, mm-hmm. uh, that they have to uh, prefer one parent over the other uh, and to get, you know, they, they're caught in the middle of uh, having to take sides. Um, and so, you know, they, they can love both parents uh, genuinely as they naturally do. And, and that, that they shouldn't feel guilty about mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Because often they go away also feeling really guilty. If my mom's hurt me so much, should I be loving my dad? If my dad's hurt me so much, should I be loving my mom? Yeah. You know, they, they carry a lot of guilt. Uh, and so really uh, and to talk to somebody um, to be able to have the courage and it takes a lot of courage for a child to open up mm. so whether if it's at the halakha they're going to or the school or uh, extended family somebody they trust uh, and, and really to talk about what they're feeling if they feel that their parents are not acknowledging what they're going through uh, and, and how hard it is for them so it does take a lot of courage but really to encourage them to speak to somebody. And finally, uh, which again, I should have started with, I guess, to, to, to really believe in Allah uh, and, and know that uh, He is watching. He answers du'as. He, he, they can turn to Him. Uh, mm. And to build that connection with Allah subhanahu uh, wa and to really uh, make du'a for, for an opening in the situation where there's, uh, there's court, at least you know cordial relationship between the parents that they they, they uh, can make dua for their parents. Um, and so really building that connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because that's where really the the solution is and, and, and if Allah subhanahu wa will there will be a, a goodness that comes out of it and and really to open their hearts to him uh, and, and and being able to seek support from extended family, uh, somebody they trust or from within their support system. So not to take the guilt uh, mm. By needing to take sides, um, and uh, and know that it's it's really not about them. It's adults trying to deal with issues yeah. that they might not fully understand. Uh, and if they feel angry, if they feel that there's anger building up in them, um, 
find healthy ways of, it's so difficult depending on the age of the child we're talking about, yeah. but you know, find a way of speaking to Allah to, to uh, offload that anger in a sense, if that makes sense, but also find physical uh, things to do that can help them re- relieve that anger from them mm. uh, as well, because there will be anger involved in, in children as well. Yeah. Sheikh, what's your message then to the uh, the children in these conflicts? And of course, you know they they don't remain small children forever, do they? So no, they don't. Yeah. They um, they, you know, they grow up into young adults. You know, in uh, my teaching career, mm-hmm. most of my teaching career was teaching uh, primary age kids, and uh, through my life, I have seen these children grow up, secondary, university, and get married and done their nikahs and everything else. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to speak directly to the kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to speak to those young kids as well. So uh, kids, you need to understand that the only one who is completely perfect and knows how to deal with everything is Allah. Now your parents, they're adults. But adults are not perfect and they get things wrong and they mess up and they have all those emotions that they can't control. That's why Allah gave us certain laws and certain do's and don'ts. Now, what you need to understand is your complete loyalty is only for Allah. Not for your parents, not for your mom, not for your dad. Your complete loyalty is to Allah. That's the thing that will get you through everything and save you from all problems. Allah is the one who told you, okay, in his book over and over again, وَقَضَى رَبُّكَ أَلَّا تَعْبُدُوا إِلَّا إِيَّاهُ وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Allah said that you've been ordered to worship him alone and to be good to your, not just your mother, not just your father, to both of your parents at every single moment in your life. And you're not even allowed to say, oof, or ah, no, you're not even allowed to do that to either of them. So you're not allowed to listen to anyone bad-mouthing any of your parents. When your parent, if a parent does this and you hear it, put your hands over your ears. You don't want to hear it. You shouldn't hear it. You can't tolerate it. This is what Allah commanded you. If that hurts your parent, tough. They need you to remind them that is what Allah wants from you. Sometimes adults, even your parents, need reminding of Allah. And if you did that, if one parent is talking bad about the other parent, stick your hands in your ears, that's perfectly right for you to do, and that's a good reminder for them. Then on top of that, if you're not even allowed to hear bad words said about them, if your parent says to you that you can't see your other parent, then that's not allowed for them. That's not allowed. You need to tell them, I'm not happy about that. I'm not going to accept that because that's not what Allah wants. And tell your parent, this is not what Allah wants. Parents, like everyone else, need to be reminded of Allah and to fear Allah. And say, I want to fear Allah, that's why I need to see my mum or my dad, whoever's not around. I need to see them. Demand it from your parents, this is your right. Take the book of Allah like this. This is your right. And if you allow this to happen, who's going to get angry with you? Allah. 
And that's the worst thing that can happen to you in your life. None of this is your fault. You've got nothing to do with it. It's between two adults who can't work out their problems because normally they can't have good akhlaq. They can't deal with each other properly the way Allah wants them to. That's their problem. Right. What you should do is make dua for both of them. What you should do is say good things to the other one every time you have that opportunity. What you should do is be at the service of both your parents all the time. What you should do is remind them of Allah and that Allah wants you to see, to love, to care, to serve both of your parents. So whenever you look at the issue, turn it back to Allah in yourself and for your parents. You are responsible for yourself. Have good akhlaq. Beg Allah for Allah to fix the situation between your parents. And even if he doesn't fix it the way you want it, accept what Allah gives you. And if you're angry and you're upset because what's happening, tell your parent. Tell the other one. This is why I'm upset. Because you guys are mm. not listening to Allah. Don't bottle it up. Speak Definitely. to them. Speak yeah. to them, tell them, I'm not mm. happy because you're not listening to Allah. And sorry, the final thing I need mm -hmm. to say. Kids, tell your parents, you know what, you guys need to listen to Allah and you can't do it without people's help. So mm -hmm. go to a Sharia council to help you. You mm -hmm. can say that to them. And imagine how embarrassed they will be <laughs> when you're telling them, you know what, you need to listen to Allah and you can't do it by yourself. Mm. Okay, that should wake them up. And sometimes parents need to be told by their children. And just imagine the reward you'll get. You, as a yeah. child, fix a situation that adults can't fix. Allahu Akbar. Yeah. Allah can give you that power. <clears throat> okay, um, I'm conscious of the time. Jazakallah Khair, Sheikh, for joining. Jazakallah Khair, Dr. Mahira on the phone. Uh, Dr. Mahira Ruby there. Um, really appreciate your, uh, your input, inshallah. And Jazakumullah Khairan at home uh, for watching and uh, joining in. If you like this podcast, give it a like and a share. Uh, remember to uh, subscribe and hit the bell notification so you get uh, notified anytime we make any new uploads. And also, just a reminder, we uh, are available wherever you find uh, any podcasts, uh, all the different podcast apps. Just search for Islam21C. Now, um, head over to intheirshoes.co.uk and take part, of the, uh, take part in this campaign. Uh, don't see your local organization um, kind of represented on it, then give them a call, give them a, a nudge to join this national campaign. Alhamdulillah, there's a growing uh, number of uh, organizations and individuals, uh, influencers, scholars, khatibs, uh, imams uh, joining this campaign. Uh, there's going to be a national khutbah day as well. Inshallah, the, we're planning to do the second khutbah after, the second jum'ah after the lockdown finishes, inshallah. So at the moment, if lockdown ends on 2nd of December, then the, the second Jummah after that is uh, the 11th of December. So again, uh, the khutbah resources pack um, is available on indeshoes.co.uk. Inform your local imam. If you're an imam yourself as well, put it in your diary, inshallah. Um, that's it from me. Zakmah khairan for watching. Let us know what you thought about uh, these uh, remarks in the comments below. And I'll see you next time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Uh, uh, script.